Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Shop with the staff of the FSBU Sports Section and V89, FSU's uh, student radio. So my name is Logan Grutchfield. I am the new host of Talk and Chop for this academic year. I'm joined today by Matt Poptak. Uh, he's coming over from V89. And I have the voice made for print. And Matt has the face made for radio. So, uh, Matt, thank you for coming on. Uh, I know the first thing that's been on all of our minds is the atrocity that was the uh, FSU-Miami game that we saw on Saturday. And then, unfortunately, Florida State fans then had to sit through the debate on Tuesday night. And, you know, so it was just a rough few days of television programming all around. But, um, I mean, what were your – wasn't many good takeaways – from the uh, Miami game, but what what did you see? Uh, well, first off, Logan, thanks for having me on. It's always a privilege and a pleasure. Um, last year I was on here with Gary, and I'm glad to get back on here with you now. Um, but FSU Miami, I can't take much goods away from this game. It was it was horrendous. I, I I knew going into the game. I think a lot of people knew going into the game that we weren't gonna win this game. I don't think people expected us to lose this badly. Um, it just, there wasn't anything going for the Knowles until maybe the fourth quarter. But until uh, I'll, uh, you know, Lawrence Tofili, you know, he, he was maybe the one shining spot in this game, the one flash in the pan that maybe you could take as a positive. Oh, yeah. But other than that, I, this game was just, horrendous i don't know what you thought about it. i i agree i was thinking about last week's episode i had a uh, gabe tisness on here with me and we were going through our our predicted scores and i think i said that florida state would lose 34 to 20 and it was <laughs> obviously not even close to that and i mean i was just going back through i'm looking at I was like, are there really any, you know, statistical angles that I can spin positives out of here? No, not at all. (laughs) I mean, besides Tolfeely, like you mentioned, I got to shout him out. He's from the 727, went to Pinellas Park High School. I went to high school just about 20, 30 minutes up the road. So, you know, that's my obnoxious moment for the podcast today. But um, so he, I mean, he was, I agree with you. I mean, he was busting off pretty big runs. In the um, especially in the second half, I mean, there was nothing at all going for us there. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it was. I watched the game and I was going back through, and I mean, the 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 narrative that just kind of stuck out to me was this team under Willie Taggart seemed a little bit directionless. You know, like they were just kind of disorganized on the field, and it doesn't really seem like in game two of the Mike Norvell era that that has really been turned around in a meaningful way. I mean, there was yeah. six defensive penalties, two unsportsmanlike conducts. I mean, this really does kind of seem like a team that they're letting their emotions still kind of get the better of them. Um, you know, I mean, they had, especially with penalties like that, that just extend the drive for Miami, put points on the board. I mean, I'll have to check, but I would bet that Miami was able to get more points on just drives extended by penalties than Florida State was able to put up in the entire game. So, um, I mean, they just seem all over the map. Um, 
Yeah, I definitely say this This team just seems lost. You could tell for – I'll tell you one thing. You could tell our coach wasn't on the sideline because yeah. this, this team did not look like they knew what they were doing. They came into the game blind, and they just got hammered from the start. Um, the the offensive line still hasn't still hasn't shown any character. And, you, you know, the def, Miami's defensive line is scary good this year, I think. So there's that to take with it. But – Man, they just—it was just immediate. As soon as Blackman, Travis, anyone would get the ball, they dropped back, and there was already pressure on them. Yeah, and honestly, speaking of Jordan Travis, tell me what you think. I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why he's—I mean, I—I I feel like if you're an opposing defense and you see him on the field, you know Florida State's just going to be running some gimmicky option play. You know, it's yeah. not going to go further than eight yards most of the time, if we're being honest here. Um, I mean, it's just I don't really understand his his role as a quarterback, at least on this team. And then I think you're right with Blackman. Uh, I mean, we gave him we were very critical of Blackman last week. But I mean, with the offensive line just getting gobbled up every single play, it seems like I mean, there's not not a whole lot that we can expect him to do. Yes, but he. Uh, one thing I will say about Blackman, he, he's just he needs to work on his decision making. Yeah, uh, it's it, too many times you see that I've seen. You know, been here three years or yeah, three years he's been here starting, and too many times you'll see him drop back, take pressure, and he can throw it away, but he chooses to try to either extend the play and takes a really bad sack, or he'll try to make a bad throw and turn the ball over, and is just decision making. It, it needs to improve and it hasn't improved. It, it's almost like it's regressed as we've gotten like the first year he started, it seemed like it was all right. And it's just gotten worse and worse each year. I, I totally agree. And I feel like, you know, every time that he's in a, a real pickle, like you mentioned, and he's forced to throw it, you never, I, I feel like I'm not seeing him throw it to the sidelines that often. It's always just mm-hmm. a, uh, you know, chuck it up pass in the middle of the field. And I know my, Heart is fluttering whenever I see those. You know that. Oh yeah. I mean that just leads to takeaways, which leads to points, which leads to just. It never leads to anything good. It used to be exciting when we saw him throw the ball deep. Now I can't be. Now I'm almost more nervous than I am excited when he throws it. And he seems to be. I was looking at uh, Tamori and Terry seem to be, and I know you wanted to mention him. He seems like he's been kind of absent this year. But I feel like I've noticed even Blackman overthrowing him. And I'm like, this guy is one of the fastest guys on the field. How do you even do that? Yeah, yeah. It's like come at, he was supposed to go to the draft, we thought, maybe last year. And it was like, oh, man, we're losing this great weapon, this great wide receiver. If we could have him come back one more year, he'd be dominant. He'd be a first-round pick. He comes back, and I've he's been absent. I haven't seen him at all, barely, this these first two games. It's, it's, it's shocking to me that they haven't at least tried to draw up more plays for him or draw up more action for him because he's barely touched the ball. No, I yeah, I totally agree. And it's just there doesn't seem to be a real besides Cameron McDonald. I, was, I, I take that back. Cameron McDonald, the, the tight end, it seems like, you know, um, Blackman's been able to find him kind of consistently. Yeah. But besides that, he doesn't seem like he's got, yeah. He had McDonald for six, six receptions. I mean, that's the most out of anyone on the field. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, um, you know, 58 yards in the only touchdown targeted him seven times, but, Tamori and Terry, zero receptions, zero yards. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's, gosh. It's, it's, it's tough, man. Uh, and it's at, at this point, it's, I know it's, it's game two of the season and I hate to jump to conclusions, but I want to know what your opinion is going into this Jacksonville state game at, at, at the quarterback. What, what do you think? Do you think we stick with Blackman or FS? Do you think FSU sticks with Blackman or do you think it's time to move on? Cause in the fourth quarter, we saw Tate Rodmaker, uh, Roadmaker. I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong, come in the game and, and he didn't look awful. I didn't think for his first action against a great Miami defense. I think, I think you stick with Blackman for this week and then at least for another week or two after that. But, I mean, that's the question that I'm asking is if we're putting up 13, 10 points a game, 17, 20, whatever, you know, with Blackman, at what point do you pull the plug? I mean, he knows the offense well. He clearly mm-hmm. – um, I mean, he, he, he knows it well. He clearly can hit, hit people. He can move the ball well especially early in the games. He seems like he moves the ball well and just kind of falls flat in the second half. Um, you know, I feel like yeah. it, it's almost an expectation for me at this point. But um, I think this game is a pretty good opportunity for him to kind of get his mind right, just, you know, reconnect with some of these receivers that he's had a hard time finding and just, you know, kind of, Get it back. Get it back together. If he is, if he's got some problems this week, though, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not a head coach, but at, at a certain point, I, I think you'd look back to Tate, or you'd look over to Chuba Purdy, and he's a. I mean, he's a, a, a dual threat quarterback. I feel like you're seeing more and more of those guys in college. Yeah, now it, especially. And he he started to finally receive reps. I know he had injured himself, uh, or he had he had. I think he broke his collarbone. But he's he's started to been he's been practicing now. So I think honestly, if, if I'm if I'm Coach Norvell, I, I think I think it's tough to say this, but I think the James Blackman era at FSU is over. I think I think he needs to be on the bench. You know, every every single year or every single off season, I've heard it too many times, and it, it's tough because every single off season I hear, oh man, Blackman's made great strides this year as in the off season. He looks great. He's he's turning the corner and he's a real leader of this team. Well, I understand he's a leader of this team, but he just can't lead this team on the field. He maybe could lead him off the field. I, I think you gotta you gotta go into this week. You got JSU. Uh, e- uh, should be an easy matchup for Florida State. I say should because I'm not sure anymore. But you go into this week. I think you give either Rodmaker or Purdy the reps and you let them get comfortable with this offense against a lower level defense before you have to go up against say the next week, Notre Dame or North Carolina, two ranked teams in the top 15. Oh, I completely agree. I think this week, I mean, I hesitate to say that I I don't want to say that the Blackman era is over. I mean, I think it, you know, you wouldn't be wrong for calling it, you know, maybe, as not as successful as I think we had expected and certainly not as successful as anyone would have hoped it to be. I mean, you know, we had won the bowl appearance against Southern Miss mm-hmm. in his freshman year. And then we had, you know, the last year's loss to um, uh, Arizona state, Arizona state. Yes. Forgive me. So, but I mean, Mike Norvell. So Tate Rodemacher was the 13th, true freshman to get playing time this year 
in, in two games. You know, I feel like in, in previous iterations of Florida State football, you would not have been seeing those kind of numbers. Yeah. But so I think, to be quite honest with you, I mean, Mike Norvell doesn't seem like he has any reservations about, um, you know, at least giving people looks. Mm-hmm. But so that's what I hope is at least Rodemacher can get some meaningful playing time. Hopefully we can see Chuba this season to be honest and just have some clarity because after this season where do you go you know yeah i i think i think he's at this point where i mean i hate saying this it's it's the second game of the season but almost this season i think is is it's not over, but I think you you start looking forward to your – that's why he's playing these freshmen. You start looking toward these next years. You give them experience on the field right now so next year they can come in and be ready to go. Um, and it's just – it's so tough saying that in game two or after game two of this year, it, it's awful. But – I, I don't know what else to say. It's it's been it's been a horrendous start for FSU football this year. A loss to Georgia Tech and a trouncing by Miami. And you just you just got to look forward to the future. I think. And this is this is the game I think where you give Purdy, you give Roadmaker reps. Yeah, and I think well, I think we'll see. I'm not sold yet that you know Blackman's done. But mm-hmm. I think I, I, I agree with you. I think if there's issues, you know, I'm not saying he's got to go out there and, you know, complete 45 passes and throw for 500 yards. Yeah. But I mean, if he's looking, I mean, if it's like what we saw against Miami, where he, he's not hitting guys that are, you know, close to him, and he's certainly not hitting guys that are farther down the field, um, you know, you just got to give people some looks, give yourself yeah. options more than anything, especially in you know, game time situations like that. And I think that was good getting Roadmacker a little bit of time to kind of get his feet under him and, you know, just see how he does on the field. And um, I, I'm, I'm hoping we'll get to see some Chubba action. I, I, hope, I hope so too. I think I, I, I've, you know, being on Twitter and stuff like that, I think, you know, FSU Twitter is a, a scary, dangerous place, especially after a loss. But I think if Norvell trots out Blackman, off the start of this game, I think he's going to get a lot. I, I don't think he's going to get booze, but I think he's going to get, he's going to get some questioning from the fan base. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, even we saw it um, in the Georgia tech game, he was getting booed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think this, these first two games have produced more questions about this team than I had hoped for. For sure, for sure. It's it's been a bad start. If I wouldn't say I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say that the seed is heating up because I, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't come close to saying that yet. But if, if these problems aren't answered, if they're not if they're not corrected, this discipline issues, these offensive line issues, this you know, if you know, if we're putting up ten points a game, uh, the seat's just gonna get hotter. And yeah. I don't. Yeah, I agree. We can't be talking about hot seats two games in, but there are certainly some questionable areas. I think and the that that we're seeing. So agreed. Yeah. So, but I do. I do. The one bright spot that I took from that game, and I was happy to see him do well. Lawrence Tolafili, obviously, eight carries, sixty-four yards. Blackman hit him for another couple receptions, and I mean, I think. He's a good kind of – I don't want him to be stuck at 
change of pace back. Maybe I'm just hot on this kid. Mm-hmm. But he had the most rushing attempts. He, he outrushed uh, Deshaun Corbin, yeah. who had a lot more on um, in the Georgia Tech game. And so I think that is kind of a two-headed attack. Um, and Corbin did very well, too. Six carries, 43 yards. Um, 24-yard run was his longest for, I mean, that's over seven yards on average. Yeah. I mean, as kind of a, you know, worst-case scenario, I, I would hope that they play a more prominent role in a Norvell offensive attack, certainly than we ever saw. Well, I take that back with, I was going to say in the Taggart era, but we, there was Cam Akers. Yeah. So, I mean, he was always, you can just fall back on Cam. Yes. And we saw that in the, uh, shoot, what was it? The Louisville game. Where yeah. He was just the whole team. And Yeah, uh, he, he was playing quarterback and everything. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I, I hope to see them get carve out a little more and that's i'm optimistic especially with the jacksonville state game despite the you know lack of optimism that we've displayed here that game could easily turn into a route and i think they'll get to see a lot of a lot of reps if that's the case for sure so so you what i'm what i'm hearing from you is you you, you'd prefer like a, a running back by committee rather than have a one punch two punch well i'm not i mean if your one punch is cam Akers. For like sure, we had or or Dalvin Cook, yeah, like it was a few years ago. I'm not going to argue with that. Agreed. I mean, if you got or Devonte Freeman, even mm-hmm. you know, if you got a strong one punch, that's clear cut. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think now, just neither one of these guys has really got a fleshed out role in the offense. So I'm fine with you know, kind of going by committee at the moment. You know, seeing who's best in what situations. And then, you know, kind of go on from there. I agree. So, I, I like that. I like that. Um, the one thing I will say about uh, Lawrence Toafili, sorry, yeah. bad with names. But, um, you know, he, he looked great. I, I want to chime in and say this also was in the fourth quarter where he got the majority of his yards. Yeah. And that was also against the Miami reserves. So uh-huh. we got to we got to take that with a grain of salt because we don't know if you know, he, there were some pretty big holes on the field when he was running, and I'm not sure those holes are there against the starting Miami squad. Um, the other thing I will say, though, he, he did look great. He looked very elusive, and one thing I liked about him is he wasn't scared of contact. Where yeah, I, I think he was. He almost he showed shades of Jaquez Patrick, where he you know he just run downhill, a downhill runner, where he'd he'd lower his shoulder and he he would he would go for the contact, and he was good at securing the ball. That was another thing I noticed. He was he was always both hands on the ball, never took his hands off of it. That's something I like. Oh, I Jaquez Patrick. I was thinking the exact same thing. I even thought you know for some of that, he he reminded me of Kalen LeBorn yeah. a little bit yeah. just with that you know charging right into people and I always thought with Kalen LeBorn I was just amazed at how fast he could go for I mean just a, a two three four yard whatever it was mm-hmm. you know burst and he seemed to have a few of those little bursts as well so I mean I don't know that it's maybe the main part of his game but you know having somebody that's you know not afraid to take a hit yeah certainly a good thing I'd, so, I'd, lo- I'd love to see him get way a lot more reps in this Jacksonville State game and hopefully him and uh Corbin both do and we could we could figure out what what where they fit in the offensive scheme oh I I completely agree so if you're thinking predicted score for this Saturday what what kind of figures are you going to be thinking I I think I think FSU bounces back you know um I I don't think they they get all of the kinks out I think Jacksonville State might score 
couple times. Yeah. But I think I think FSU handles this game pretty easily. I'm gonna say uh let's I'm gonna say thirty-five ten. I was thinking I, I was thinking very similar. I was gonna say thirty-eight to ten myself. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh Parker Growhouse can get some action. But uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think 38 to 10. I'm hoping that this can be just a, a good day all around for the offense, good day all around for the defense, and not, you know, I think the worst outcome could be like either the Louisiana Monroe game last year uh-huh. or the Sanford game the year before. Yeah. I, I forgot just how atrocious those were. And I'm, you know, I, I hate to say it. I can't rule that kind of outcome out. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. For sure. And I think I think something that, you know, this is the this is the game. I think this is a very even though it's it's JSU. I think this is an extremely important game in this season because we, we played this game and we look you could agree. We look terrible. Um, We play this game. This is our last game before we go to Notre Dame, UNC, Louisville, Pitt. Louisville is the only non-ranked team, and they were ranked before. Yeah. I, I, I we're coming into the the hardest stretch of our season right here, and we need to we need to get the the kinks out because, oh man, it, it won't be pretty if we don't. Yeah, I I totally agree. So, but I mean, I'm still I was optimistic last week. Maybe that was misplaced, but I, I'm still going to be optimistic this week. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what we can see on Saturday. I want to turn now to um, FSU soccer. I mean, that, you know, maybe we're just a women's sports school now. Yeah. but Or I shouldn't say maybe we are a women's sports school. Um, I mean, they won a national championship a couple years ago. And, I mean, from what I have seen in the first couple games, granted, it's just the first few games, but the depth of this team and just the the dominance is is astonishing. I mean, you had a true freshman in goal. You've had, you know, people rotating in. Emily Madrill getting her first action after being out for two years with uh, ACL tears. And, I mean, it's just 5-0 against Notre Dame, 1-0 against Louisville. And neither one of those seemed particularly close. Yeah. You know, even for a 1-0 game, it was, you know, Louisville didn't really have much action that they could that they could get, period. So, I, I think that... This upcoming road stretch, they're playing at Virginia Tech, and they're playing at Wake Forest. I think that we could be seeing a pretty good team here. Oh, definitely. I think I think uh, this team has only gotten, even though we've lost, you know, our superstar in Daniel Castellanos, um, the the supporting roles that were before have picked it up, and they've become the stars. Uh, Yuji Zhao. She's looked amazing. Um, like you said, Emily, I, I forget her last name. She she's looked great. The defense has looked phenomenal. They they have yet to. I I think I'm right, but they have yet to allow a goal. Correct? Yeah, no goals. I mean, only two shots on goal. So that's what I'm saying. And I know uh, Coach Gregorian has been really harping on this. Is just in front of the goal, kind of stifling you know the opposing offense as much as he can. I mean, there's only been two shots on goal. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah. This this defense is. I think they're legit because, you know, you look at the teams they played, and it's not like they're playing these easy teams. They played Notre Dame and they played Louisville, two great soccer programs. Um, Absolutely. And, and they've, they've shut them out and really just dominated both games. Yeah, and I mean, the ACC is going to be tough no matter how you slice it. 
And I think this upcoming – now, I was surprised um, with Krikorian coaching, this team has not lost in Blacksburg. Wow. Um, I think they're like 8-0-1 or something. So I don't want to just, you know, lean too hard on the past record. But, I mean, if I had to pick a win, and especially going off the play that we've seen, I think Florida State, you know, I, I can definitely see him beating um, – Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, I think might be a little tougher, but I honestly, maybe I, again, I'm the optimistic one here. They might, I can see, I would not be surprised to see him coming out of this uh, road stretch four and up. For sure. I, I agree with you, but, but the one thing I'd say is they can't get complacent because they've gotten these two wins and they're going in, like you said, they're going into a place they've never lost before in Virginia Tech. And, you know, they might be like, oh, we've never lost this team. They're not going to worry about it, but don't they can't get complacent because that's that's when that's when you get sh- you get shocked at, on, on a on an upset and at home Virginia Tech they could they could come out firing you know I I completely agree I'm just saying you know I think from you know the contributions we've seen it's been really spread around on the offense I mean Yuji Zhao had a couple of goals I know but then Jody Brown has been getting some action Emily Madro had that goal in her first game back against um, Notre Dame. And I'm interested to see how uh, Christina Rugg plays. She's a true freshman. She was in goal for um, the majority of the Notre Dame game and the entirety of the Louisville game and posted two shutouts. But, I mean, that was with just two shots on goal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think with a more potent offense, I, I think, I mean, she's looked great so far. But I'm intrigued to see just how a more potent offense might challenge her. Yeah, see if she gets tested more with the shots. Um, yeah, I, I think th- this team, this team's picked up the slack, whereas, you know, our other sports teams have not been playing as great. This team looks really good and they look like they're, I, I don't want to, don't want to get ahead of myself, but they look like a, a, a deep, the team that has the depth to make a run. Oh, oh, oh wait, that, I'm saying that there's, is there even a tournament? There's no, uh, I, in the spring, I'm not, I got to double check. I think at this point it's, um, you know, I'm, get, I'm getting ahead, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. But this, this, as, as what I'll say is this team looks good, and they look like they have the depth to be good for the whole year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I know with, um, you know, there's always been high expectations for this team. And I know, but they're looking very talented. I think that they'll be making a deep run at least in the ACC tournament. Um, so, I mean, I think they're a fun team to watch. So, and then I just want to take a quick look at volleyball. I know they're getting their season started next week. And um, I'm just intrigued to see how they do. I remember talking to Chris Poole, uh, the head coach, and it was just, I know he compared kind of the last four or five months with the COVID-19 pandemic to, to a hurricane like, you know, whenever we leave for a week or so, you know, because of a pending hurricane. But he said with a hurricane, you know, there's an end date. There's, there really hasn't, there really wasn't one for the pandemic. So it was like, you know, just really different practice-wise, you know, hard to find a rhythm. But, you know, he said his team was exceptionally driven um, and just really doing well. So I'm excited to see, you know, how they respond. They've got a couple new transfers. Caroline Golden's coming over from, southeast louisiana and then there's olivia daly from ohio state and that's i mean six total seniors on a team that is not having a fall championship i'm just i mean i know this this 
season schedule is a sprint, but I'm just, I'm excited to see how they respond. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. Um, you know, this season is it, like you said, it's been like a hurricane. They've, they've kind of, they're kind of, kind of coming off not playing at all. So they might have some rust. And I think it's going to be up to really the seniors on this team that have the experience. They're going to have to lead this team and, you know, get them back into the, the process of working, you know, uh, what's, what's, uh, Taryn, Taryn Newth and Jasmine Martin. They were both voted to the 2020 ACC volleyball preseason, all ACC team. Um, I think it's really going to be up to them. They're going to have to lead this team and take them and kind of, get them re-going because, you know, they've they've been stopped for so long. I agree. I think they've got a lot of leadership on this team, which is, I mean, that is great. But I know looking forward, I think that might be kind of a recruiting challenge. When you have six people departing, and then now with recruiting, I mean, we just haven't seen how it's going to work. I think, you know, we'll find a good, you know, recruiting-wise. But, I mean, that's still a lot of big shoes to fill. Yeah, definitely. Um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough, uh, especially with our schedule. I know they're they're playing Georgia Tech coming up, who's voted you know Florida State's fifth in the preseason poll, Georgia Tech's third. So yeah, so they're they're gonna have a challenge right off the start, and it's gonna be trial by fire. We'll see how they play. I agree. I mean, especially with the ACC, I mean, it's a stalwart conference, and it seems like basically everything. And maybe I'm just letting the conference blinders get to me here, mm-hmm. but you know, it seems like all of these teams soccer. Football, you know, basically everywhere, they are got their work cut out for them in terms of the schedule every single season. Oh, definitely. So, um, but, yeah, so I think we've got a lot of excitement to look forward to, especially with soccer and volleyball. Soccer is playing tonight uh, against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. And then volleyball will get their season going. I believe it is October 7th, so next Wednesday. I will have to Yeah, it is here. October 7th and 8th against Georgia Tech. Okay, great. So, yeah, I mean, that's a couple games right there. And then we've got Wake Forest coming up, too, for soccer. So that and then football going here. It'll be it'll be a busy next next uh, next week for it, it's great to have sports back. That's all I'll say. I, I've missed this. I, I completely agree. And um, I, it's been good for me. The Rays are doing well in the playoffs. The Lightning just took the Stanley Cup. So hopefully I'll get to see the Seminoles have some success as well. Yeah. I'd love, I'd, I'd love that. I'd love that. So, all righty. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us this week, Matt. Thanks for having me. And as always, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure and a privilege. Uh, can't wait to get back on with you another time and talk some more Florida State, Florida State sports. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, we'll have a little better news on the football front. For sure. But uh, for now, thank you so much for coming. All on. right. Thanks for having me.